I unfortunately have Peacock. I get charged six fifty for it every fucking month, and I never unsubscribe. I do. Too. I see it come out. I'm like, the fuck is that? Oh, Peacock again. It got me again. I don't know how. I don't six dollars and fifty cents every fucking month. So I have it. The, the worst I'll be one, able to stream it. The worst one for me is the Fubo TV one. Whenever I want to watch a Pac-12 network game, I go get a new credit card and I subscribe to, to Fubo TV for the seven-day free trial. But those fuckers get you because if you on most free trials you can cancel immediately, right? And then it'll just let you finish the seven-day trial. No, Fubo, they aren't doing that shit, right? You you have to if you unsubscribe, they cancel your subscription immediately. So you gotta you gotta toe the line there. It's like it's like playing Russian roulette with your with your fifty seven dollars. And if you wanna watch that, you gotta add I add on all the sports packages because it's fucking free, right? So I go and add and then you know, I had I had done it about seventeen times and I got away with it every time and that damn eighteenth time I fucking forgot and they charged me seventy four ninety nine with all my packages. You deserve that. You yeah, own fuck, that fucking no, money. Fuck Fubo TV, all right? Bullshit. All right, that's why I go to YouTube TV. Coming to you live from San Antonio, Texas. It's the Slobberknocker Sports Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Dylan and Uncle T. Welcome into the Slobberknocker Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Leak, joined as always by my man, Uncle T, over here. And we've got a good show today here for you guys. We're going to break down everything from the national championship and what we saw last night transpire between Michigan and Washington. We're going to get into some NFL wildcard action and talk about some coaching carousel in the NFL at the end. But let's start with the biggest storyline in sports, and that is what we saw transpire last night, where the Michigan Wolverines complete the perfect 15-0 season. They take down the Washington Huskies 34-13. Score, maybe not indicative of how close the game was for most of the game, although I do think Michigan dominated uh, throughout. The Huskies were outgained by 142 yards. Uh, outgained by three and a half yards per play. They held Washington to just 300 yards of total offense, 4.2 yards per play, and 13 total points. They were all season lows for the Husky this year. Michael Penix did not have a good game. Bad showing from Penix. 27 for 51, 255 yards, just five yards per pass, had a touchdown and two crucial interceptions in the second half. And the Washington ground game absolutely could get nothing going. Dylan Johnson was obviously hobbled by an injury. He was trying to gut it out, but nothing doing. They had 20 carries for just 46 yards, le- barely two yards a carry yeah, on the I'm night. I'm surprised he even played. I can't believe he, he played. It was a, I got to give it to him for playing, but I also think they should have pulled him out at some point. Um, but look, Michigan dominated this game from the jump, right? First drive of the game, Michigan goes eight plays, 84 yards. They're, they cap it off with a 41-yard Donovan Edwards touchdown run. And they score on their first three drives, right? Touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And they go up 17-3 to before we saw a little bit of resistance from Washington as they score right before the half to get it to a one-score game going into halftime. Now, look, J.J. McCarthy didn't have a great game, right? 10 of 18, uh, just 140 yards. He didn't have any touchdowns, but he didn't make any crucial mistakes either. And he made some big That's plays. That's what I thought they were going to do. Right. I, I didn't even think – I mean, I would have I thought he would have thrown it at least 20 times, I guess, but not right. more than that. Um he didn't make any crucial mistakes, no. though, and in that in that big drive where they were up seven and they finally put the game away, he made some big time throws yeah. on that drive. And but but the the story of the game was twofold. It was number one, the Michigan running game. They ran as a team for three hundred plus yards, four touchdowns, eight yards per carry. Washington could not stop the ground game of Michigan, and then that defense was outstanding. Um, you know, two interceptions forced. Washington could just not get in any rhythm. They were physical. They got to, to Penix all night, although they didn't sack him but one time. So, obviously, I want you to give me your main takeaways from what you saw last night. But my main question to you is, when we saw this Washington offense against the Longhorns last week in the Sugar Bowl, it was night and day to what we saw transpire last night. 
Um, so what was it that Michigan did to Washington that allowed them to just stifle Penix in this Well, Washington Penix offense? was just nowhere near as good. I mean, it, plain and simple, he had the best game of his life against Texas a week ago. I mean, he was every ball he threw was like handing off to a guy 40 yards down the field. I mean, he was playing lights out. I think, like you said, Michigan didn't sack him much, but they hit him early, brought pressure. Um, and, you know, Washington just realized early on, especially with a banged-up running back, they're not going to be able to run the ball with any success. They had to throw it 51 times. You're not going to win a game having to throw it 51 times not being able to run. I mean, I within, a, you know, a drive or two, I think I texted you the game. So, I mean, that's why Washington went for it on fourth and seven down two touchdowns because the game was – over. Michigan was just dominating the line of scrimmage. We were, we were texting about that. And you they said, were just dominating the line of scrimmage. I go, you yeah. know, fourth and seven. I get that, you know, 90% of people would say punt there. But DeBoer was watching what I was watching. I was like, look, we're not going to be able to stop them running the ball. We get the ball at halftime. If we can somehow have this to seven, which they did somehow yeah. by the grace of God. Because Michigan went for it on fourth and three and didn't get it. And I don't know what that play call was either because they called – DeBoer called timeout, and I was like, oh, no, now Michigan's going to go for it. This is absolute worst case. And I thought Michigan probably had, like, a best two-point conversion play they're going to run there, right? right. fourth and three. And and they threw an, a, you know, to the boundary, just out route, you know, probably 25-yard pass to get four yards. And, you know, the Washington play uh, corner made a nice play to break it up. But And it was weird when McCarthy went to the sideline. I don't know if he checked to something or – that look they wanted, maybe they had two plays called and, you know, run whatever. But because the offensive coordinator and Harbaugh were not, like, super happy with him after yeah, that play. Yeah, he was you pointing, see him the pointing play at sheet, it. Yeah, like, like, what, what were you what doing? You doing? Yeah. yeah, so I don't think that was actually the play. I couldn't imagine the you're going to go back out there and just throw an out route and hope you get it. Um, I agreed with Michigan kind of going for it there, too, only because they were so dominant that if they do get that and they go up 21-0, you can just put the game to bed right there. They went for the kill shot. Yeah, they went, went for the kill shot. shot. Don't disagree with it. And then Washington, you know, credit to them, got down there somehow and then scored on like a fourth and five, whatever. Penix made a good throw on that play. Um, but even on the fourth and seven, we talk about that they don't get, he had a guy wide open. He in was the Texas wide open. game, he would have hit him and, then, yeah. you know, he would have scored. So, yeah, Washington was just outmanned. I mean, they're just – Michigan was way too physical for him. Dominated both lines of scrimmage. I mean, there's just not a lot Washington can do except – Try to throw the ball up to the receivers to make plays, and they tried that a little bit, but Penix did not have his A game yeah. yesterday at all. They, so. they had, in, in the Texas game, I believe it was eight plays through the air of 20-plus yards. Last night against Michigan, it was one? one, and the only play it happened on was when they were down 14 late in the game, and basically Michigan just busted a coverage. It was when Washington got down close to the red zone, and then eventually Penix threw a pick on fourth and like 17. Oh, okay. But that play before it, if you remember, there was a busted coverage. Michigan had to kind of like tackle him from behind on the 25-yard line. That was the only play that went for the, over the 20 yards. The play of the game was actually the the complete – when Washington was down seven, got the ball back. That You know, they match field goals in the third, and they're down seven. He hits that guy on kind of a little, you know – The holding up, call. Out and up. He hits him for, what, 40 yards in the holding call. It was a blatant hold. But as we know in college football, sometimes you don't get that flag. Right. <laughs> so, I, think I mean, it was one of those deals where it's like, I think, too, that, like, the official, it almost looked like a late flag because the official clearly saw him being held and then realized it's going to be a 50-yard right. play. I was like, okay, I have to throw a holding flag there. He was losing his footing a little bit there. Right. 
But I mean, it was a whole. The reason he didn't hit Penix is because he got help. That's so. exactly. See, I think yeah. I think that's what the official saw. He saw the guy going down and was like, "Oh shoot! If if I don't throw this, or if he doesn't hold him there, it's a sack." And instead, they get fifty yards. And yeah, I was like, Shit, and I, mean, I gotta imagine, throw this. I mean, that that play though, like I said, they don't. Sometimes they don't throw holding calls. And if they, in in college football, the NFL, that's gonna get thrown a hundred out of a hundred right. times. Um, and yeah, both teams were getting. I mean, Michigan opened up the holes they did. Sure, they were controlling the line of scrimmage. You know, people were complaining online they're holding. It's like, so was Washington. Yeah, they're, they're to both, both holding. Teams were because they're not throwing right. holding flags. So, and, and you look at it. The, you look at it this way too. You could say, okay, at the end of the first half, you know, and I was, I think I texted you this. At the end of the first half, Washington had a third and ten. Uh, you know, where it was a, a PI was called an incomplete pass for Michigan. And then on the fourth down where Michigan scored, had they not scored, there was a holding call in the end zone there. Now, both of them were, were correct. They were both PI in defensive holding. However, Washington's cornerbacks were doing the same thing to Michigan the whole game, and that wasn't called. So it's the same type of deal there. It just isn't as big of a play where you're like, oh, my God, they took back a 50-yard gain for that call. Well, you look back, if they don't call the PI on on Michigan right there, now Washington kicks a field goal. It was it would have been fourth and 10, and now it's 17-6 at halftime, and it's a totally different ball game. So, you know, it just, to me, I, I, I do think the officials did a good job in the sense that they really didn't determine the outcome of the game. There was, there was basically those two calls on – Michigan at the end of the half, and there was the holding call in Washington. With the exception of those two calls, nothing else was really called besides pre-snap penalties that were false starts. So, to me, I actually thought, and when I heard it wasn't this ACC crew, actually, uh, shockingly enough, this ACC crew is the highest, uh, the throws the highest rate of penalties of any crew in the entire country in the Power Five conferences, and they actually did a good job. I think they were probably told, hey, you know, you're calling this game. You're not. We don't want to see 25 penalties in the game. Yeah. So, and, and nobody wants to see that. Nobody no. wants to see a hold on every play. So, I understand the way they. The, uh, the other thing I will say about officiating, in a sense, that drives me crazy is I, I think it was later in the fourth, fourth when Washington was down 14, trying to go score. And you know, they had that. Um, I mean, you, I think you may have mentioned it on right now, or I don't know what exact call we were talking about, but if a hold, this has always bothered me in football. So there's offsetting penalties, right? Right. But if there's a hold in the backfield that keeps your quarterback from not getting leveled, and then he throws the ball down the I field and that. gets P.I., how do you get to do it over It's again? unbelievable. The holding took place first, and it's the only reason he got to throw the ball. I agree. It, it, that's crazy to me, like, that football does that, because it's like, at that point, you know, you just might as well do everything you can to draw a penalty or keep right. the play like. But as soon as someone holds to save the quarterback from getting sacked, that play should be, like, you know, voided in a sense because you shouldn't be able to get P.I. after that and get another chance at the down. That's it's, bizarre to me. It's it's kind of similar to the sense of, like, if you call, uh, you know, it's, it's weird that they do that because if they call a defensive hold on a third and 15, they automatically give you a first down, right? So they're assuming that the play would have been a first down or a catch, right? You're preventing the first down. But they don't assume that the hold would have prevented the the PI, right? It's the, it's contradictory in its yeah. own in its own right. I totally agree. I've always thought that that was so weird. It's like, why should they get another chance of the play if the hold took place before totally the agree. pass interference? No, I totally agree. And and that was honestly like, if Washington ends up picking up that first down because they got a second shot at fourth down, they score there. All of a sudden, it's a seven point game, and that hold saves the game. You know, obviously the Michigan corner, it was a clear P.I., but I totally agree. I was sitting there thinking the same thing. I was like, man, that sucks so bad because that should have been a sack and the play should have been over. And now they, there's a penalty on on, on Michigan for the P.I. on a throw that never should have happened. They get to do it over. <laughs> Luckily, on the next play, Pennix threw an interception. And look, 
here's my my issue with Michael Penix, and I've liked him really all. I, I liked him through his college career. I, I don't like that Washington had nine guys, including Michael Penix, that were sixth-year seniors. I think that's ridiculous. You have guys who are 23 and 24 years old playing six years of football out there last night. Alan Bowman's coming back next year. He's got to be like 36. He's he's an old man. He's a he's a, a college football dad. Um, but yeah, to me, I just I don't like that. But I, I did like Michael Penix and. My problem was when I watched the Washington game versus Oregon in the middle of the year objectively with no really skin in the game, I didn't like what I saw from Michael Penix, and I didn't like what I saw from him the rest of the year. Now, after the, the Sugar Bowl, and rightfully so, he played fantastic, I literally was hearing rumblings that he was going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Like, I'm, and it absolutely baffles me because he's not a very good pocket passer. And, and what we saw last night is we saw him go against an NFL-style defense, right? He has an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award, the number one offensive line in the country, right? So, uh, you know, has great protection, has three NFL wide receivers, and he looked like a JV-style quarterback out there. That's the truth of the matter. I mean, the first interception he threw was horrific, and it, and it really, to that me— That was the one right coming out of halftime? It was. It was the first yeah, play that really halftime. changed the game because Washington it. had a little bit of momentum, and they went down and scored. It, and exactly, and he did exactly what I said he does. When any, when any type of pressure comes— he just throws it up. He doesn't think. He just throws it up, and he threw up a dangerous ball. There was three or four more passes he threw last night that were very close to being intercepted as well. He could have had more than two or three interceptions. He was actually lucky to only have two. The second one was really bad, too. On the four, I know it was a fourth and whatever, fourth and 15, but if you watch the play, he had Polk on the left side on an in route wide open for a first down. Michigan was n completely busted on the inside, and he throws it into, like, quadruple coverage on the other side. Oh, and yeah, he, I remember seeing the highlight of that one. Yeah, and he overthrows the, the under route, and he underthrows the over route, so there's just no possible way it's being caught. And I just, to me, uh, I just don't see it with Michael Penix. I think, you know, he's he's a an excellent college quarterback. He had a fantastic career. What do you think? Do you think he's a guy who can play at the next level? Like, And when I say the next level, I guess I mean, like, can he be a starter in the NFL at some point in his career, or is he just a career backup slash maybe gets out of the league soon? I don't know. It's a tough one for me. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to ever be a, you know, star in the NFL, but I think maybe he can hang around for a few years. As, I mean, like you said, I know you're saying a starter. I, I don't know. I would say my the jury's still out for me on that. I don't I – don't, Love him either, probably because he's a lefty. But um, wait, he is left-handed. Yeah, he? yeah. I was about to say <laughs> he looks weird throwing out there. He's got to be left-handed. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, he doesn't move. He, he he's a you know he throws a nice ball. The other thing with him too is, and I'm sure this is on his uh, draft deal. He throws everything off his back foot, flat-footed. Yep, absolutely. So he does kind of throw like a nice ball, like a laser, you know, and he, and he can throw with some decent touch, but. I think he really doesn't like getting hit. Like you said, he plays behind a good offensive line, and then he throws everything off his back foot, which just won't work in the NFL. So. You saw him literally ducking out of hits last night to yeah. avoid getting hit. And then he was holding, you know, when he was, you know, walking off the field. I don't know if it was uh, loser's I'm so limp. I'm so annoyed. I don't know if it was loser's limp. You I, was know? Get I don't to know that. what it was, but uh, it, he, it looked to me, now, not early on, like, you know, but maybe, maybe like in the last drive or two in the fourth quarter, he got hit once, and, you know, something something actually may have happened, but for, th you know, 90% of the game, he was fine. So I'm not giving him that excuse. Yeah. I'm just saying in yeah, general. Yeah, let me say this, okay, because I watched this happen, and I was yelling at the TV last night with my dad. We were laughing about it, okay? 
on the second-to-last drive for Washington when the game was not over, and there was a still chance that he could become the hero and go down and lead them down and win the game. He did not wince in pain one time. On that final drive, that final throw, not wincing in pain on the interception. I watched the interception back because my dad was like, no, he got leveled on the return. He didn't. The guy who got leveled was Dylan Johnson trying to make a play. Michael Penix wasn't touched on the interception return. So he wasn't touched on the interception return. He wasn't injured before that. And then all of a sudden, he comes out of that drive before a play had even happened, grabbing his, his chest and his ribs like he was injured. It was the most irritating thing to me. Patrick Mahomes does this shit all the time, dude. It's like immediately when something goes bad or like there's a minor little hit, let me just exaggerate it so it looks like I'm injured. It was loser's limp. I can't stand. Loser's limp. I can't stand when quarterbacks or, or NFL players do that. Like, did you see? In, no, here's the thing. A real injured guy, a guy who's actually injured, isn't going to act like that. Look at Dylan Johnson. The dude was playing at like 50%. He never was like grabbing at his knee and, and trying to like exaggerate the limp. When he walked off the field with the camera, he's literally walking there like knowing the camera's there, just grabbing his, his chest like, oh my God, I'm so injured. I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, okay, you, you, you lost the game. You didn't play that well. Like, just take it on the chin. That's way more respectable to me than going out there and acting like you're fucking injured. Okay, he did not. Now, if he, if I saw like him take this massive shot, it'd be one thing. But he didn't. He started acting like that before any big hit. I was so irritated by yeah, it. I'm sure you and, you and your dad were going crazy in there. Well, no, he was actually. My dad was actually the whole time yelling about how J.J. McCarthy had the worst performance as a quarterback ever because he picked Washington to win, so he didn't like that he got it wrong. And uh, even though he did want Michigan to win, so he was he was in First there like. First of all, he'll twist it. He didn't get it wrong. He'll be in here to defend himself later. I'm well, sure. We did a little quick uh, extra yesterday when I came in to do an NFL. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a quick little preview. preview? And he, he went on and he said, I'm picking Washington. Then he changed and said Michigan was going to win by double digits. Then he flipped back to Washington. It's called hedging your bets. That's you right. pick so everybody t t at least two times <laughs> and you can't be wrong. Well, he did end up He's finishing. He finished with Washington by, uh, I think it was by uh, by 10 and uh, didn't get it My right. My favorite, but too, is when you try to get like an official pick out of him. <laughs> Who's going to win? Well, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. But, uh, I guess I'll say the Cowboys, but uh, the Redskins might win. They might win. <laughs> and he's like, let uh, me watch the first quarter. I'll tell you after that. Um, yeah, sorry, the Commanders. The Commanders, Excuse yeah. me. Um, okay, real quick. Uh, one oh, another thing, uh, uh, one other thing, and you may be bringing this up on Go your ahead. list, but I, you brought up a good point. It would have been interesting to see uh, Texas and um, Michigan yep. matched up. I think that would have been I a better mean, I'm game. Not, you know, I'm not a Texas homer by any stretch of the imagination, but Texas is pretty darn solid against the run, and Texas can – you know, stop the run better than Washington. So I actually think that would have been a better matchup. It would have been. All the credit in the world to Washington for right. beating Texas. They, they deserved to win that game. They did. It was only because, you know, a running back went down and gave Texas a chance at the end there. But Pennix played the game of his life, and that happens in sports. You know, when you're not playing a series and it's one game, right. someone has the game of his life and um, beat you. So all the credit to them. But it would have been fun to see. I think Michigan versus Texas would have been a better matchup I, I think I think it would have come to been more like the Alabama game or the Washington Texas game where it came down to the last couple plays of the game if it was those two I still think and we both look we said this all year we both said Michigan was the best team from the start of the year and it is nice to see in sports sometimes when you get the best team winning the championship because it doesn't always happen especially in football like you said where there's not a series because you look at the other three teams in the playoff all of them had blemishes. Like, there was multiple games Washington should have lost, even though they went undefeated. 
Texas lost to Oklahoma. They didn't look great in a couple games against Kansas State and Houston. And then same thing for Alabama. Alabama loses to Texas early. Should have lost to Auburn late in the year on a miracle wins on that Hail Mary. I so, mean, same thing for Washington. They don't get a pick six against Arizona State. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Know, yeah, so like, like, they could have lost know, to Stanford. They, they could have lost to Washington State. they don't State. get the fourth and one against Washington State, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. Right. Yep. So it is refreshing to see that. And then last thing I'll say real quick is um, it is also refreshing to see um, – the way this played out for Michigan, when Jim Harbaugh took over at Michigan, his first six seasons, he was 49-22. and 22. He started 0-5 against Ohio State. A lot of time in sports, we live in a world where everybody wants to fire everybody in five minutes and, and try something new. And I think it, it was beneficiary to Harbaugh that he's a Michigan man, and they weren't going to just get rid of him anytime quickly, right? But it is nice to see in a world of immediacy where, and I'm guilty of it as well, but every fan watches and, and every little moment in, in coaching decision is criticized and analyzed, and we all call for a fire because we want our team to win now. But Michigan stayed the course, and despite a really rough start, you could see there was improvements being made, and Michigan hadn't been good for a long time. They stuck with Harbaugh, and then you know after that COVID season, he takes a big pay cut on his contract, he brings in some new young coordinators. I thought Jesse Minter, who's the uh, defensive coordinator, I believe, for Vanderbilt, who's Bailey, our producer's favorite team, he was, in, in my opinion, the best part of what we saw over the course of the season. He did an outstanding job. Harbaugh even mentioned it. Harbaugh didn't even mention Sharon Moore yesterday in his press conference. He talked about how good Jesse Minter was because he was. The guy was absolutely outstanding. He's going to be a head coach next year, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, he just – Maybe at Michigan. Maybe at Michigan. He shook things up. Um, you know, he, he laid out this blueprint for his team of getting to this point, and he executed it. It's just refreshing to see since then, right, since that year, he went 3-0 against Ohio State. They went to three consecutive college football playoffs. They won the Big Ten all three times, and they now cap yeah. it off with a national title. Credit to them for keeping him. It's funny how things work out when, you know, you give it a little bit of time. I will say that if he did not beat Ohio State three years ago and lost four in a row, I actually think he would have been fired. Probably. So it's cool that he at least – they gave him that extra year. He got it done, and then – yeah, apparently I think uh, McCarthy said that, you know, they didn't beat Ohio State because Ohio State was the one stealing the signs back then. <laughs> and then so the only reason that's what, their they own said, medicine. that's what they said, the only reason Michigan did it is because they had to to get on the same playing level. Right. I mean, it, it literally he said something like that. And I was like, okay, well, it's one way to justify it. <laughs> that's that's uh, interesting to say from what Jim Harbaugh said was the best quarterback to ever play at Michigan. Uh, do you think that's true, by the way? You think no, JJ Carr fucking Chad Henney. Chad Henney, baby. Million. Chad Henney. Chad um, Henney. Real quick, just just because we're going to— Alamo Bowl champion. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if they won that year. He did come to the Alamo Bowl, though. That's good knowledge. I wouldn't Chad have known Henney. that. Chad uh, Real quick, uh, SVP, and I mentioned this to you guys in post or before we, before we started shooting. SVP had Harbaugh on last night, and basically SVP didn't even ask him if he was leaving, but— Harbaugh had some interesting comments. He said, you know, normally we have spring practice starting on Valentine's Day in February, but this year I'm going to push it back a month. We're going to start it in March. Um, you know, I, I thought if they won the championship, there was a 100% chance he left. I thought if they lost, it was 50-50. But that was a really odd thing to say for Harbaugh, considering if I'm leaving, I'm probably not saying anything. I know – I know. I think I know where you stand on this, but do you think he's gone? Is he is he leaving? Hundred percent. He's, he's gone. gone. He's gone to the Chargers. I think he's a snake oil salesman. If they if they give him that job, here's the reason why. Especially, I believe, because with the playoff expanding to twelve teams, it's going to be so much harder in reality to win the whole thing. You have another what two games you have to get through, 
and then so you're going to get another. You're always going to have Georgia and Alabama now, always. And then, you know, maybe a Texas and Oklahoma in there from the SEC. Then, you know, Washington and Oregon look, you know, better and better. So I just think that it becomes harder. He's got to be tired. The recruiting, yeah. I, you know, I know people that are in coaching, college coaching the league. The recruiting has just been so brutal. Right. So to be able to win a national championship and ride off into the sunset from Michigan, you've fulfilled your prophecy to the university. In my opinion, it's a lose-lose for him to even stay. Because right. it's just, it's, you know, something can happen. And be like, oh, yeah, we did win that championship, but we haven't won in 10 years. Like, right. just leave, and, and, and someone's going to want him. I, I think it's going to be the Chargers. The I think everybody thing, would want him. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but I, to me, the whole – the whole – Oh, we're gonna move practice back and this and that and the other. It's just a, a a negotiation chip. I think he wants around twelve million dollars. That's kind of like the going rate for a good coach these days in the NFL, well, which is kind of crazy. Well, here's the thing. I think he's gonna get it. Well, here's the thing. Michigan, a uh, couple about a week before this happened, they offered Harbaugh a ten-year, one hundred twenty-five million dollar extension, so oh, twelve sure and did. a half year, I'm million sure they a year. Did. So I was looking at kind of salaries last year, and you're right. That's about the going rate. The highest paid. If you take out. Um, Bill Belichick. Belichick, who's just got an absurd contract. Sean Payton's the next highest-paid coach. He makes eighteen much, million yeah. a year, and then so so really, I would here's here's the only reason, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but here's the only reason I think that there's a chance he stays. I completely agree. If I'm him, I'm leaving. It's just too much with recruiting. But here's the thing, right? He's the type of guy who rubs people the wrong way. This is like a known thing. That's why he got out in San Francisco. It's nothing to do with results, right? He did a great job there, and he just butted heads with the GM and the owner, and it ended up not ending well. If he thinks that, like, okay, at Michigan, I'm untouchable, right? I've already built this thing. I've, I'm never getting fired now. I could be here. I, he's already 60 years old, so, you know, how many more years is he coaching? 10, 15, maybe, right? Like, depending on how, how long he wants to go. So it's like, there is a, there, I think there is a part of me that thinks, well, he could just stay at Michigan, be the absolute god of that place. Like, he'll be remembered forever as a legend there, and, and they'll build a statue of him there. Literally, that's how they're going to feel about him. And so, to him, money doesn't matter. He played in the NFL for, you know, 10-plus years. He's been a, a coach at a number of places. He took a damn pay cut at Michigan, you know, five years ago. Money is irrelevant to him. So, to me, I just wonder, like— you know, obviously the recruiting aspect of it and, and having to deal with the NCAA. If I'm him, I'm leaving. I'm 100%. I agree with you totally. I just think there is a part of me that thinks maybe somehow I think everybody's saying he's definitely leaving, and I thought the same thing. I just, I just don't know. Something, I got I a would, weird I feeling last night. I would say it's 80-20. Okay. I mean, there's a 20% chance he stays at Michigan yeah. if he wants to do that. If he only thinks he's going to coach five more years and he just wants to do that, fine. It's just it's twice the work. Right. And I know he doesn't care about the money. I think he would go coach in the NFL for $10 million and yeah. lose out on $2 million because like it's literally half the work. You go in, yeah. you go into the NFL on Tuesday, you do your walkthroughs, whatever you film, you play, and then you're off, you know, a lot of times they have Saturday as an off day, and then you're off, you know, if you play Sunday, usually Monday, Tuesday, sorry, then you show back to the facility on Wednesday. There's no recruiting. You're not talking to kids. You're not dealing with parents. It's just... Hey, look, let's break down the film, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well. I just think that if he does want to coach, it's such an, you know, it's a, as they say, a gravy train and biscuit wheels job. It's like you hire a good OC, uh, you know, or he, or if you don't want to call the plays, and you're like, a lot of these NFL head coaches are like legitimate, like, like general managers in a sense. Because yeah. some of, most of them, a lot of them aren't calling either side of the ball. 
they're given their final say. Some of them do. Obviously, in fact, I think the majority like, of the good ones don't call the plays anymore, with the exception of like Shanahan and McVay. Like it doesn't. Uh, the better coaches, Andy Reid, but I yeah. mean, yeah, I know, yeah. So a lot of them don't. So it's like you're you're almost just managing a group of professionals that get paid millions of dollars. You're not dealing with parents. I just think that, especially with Herbert sitting there in in L.A. And dude, it's Great really, situation. it's really, yeah, and it's not a lot of pressure. Yeah, the Chargers are all—they never they win never the Super win. Bowl. No one expects them to win the Super Bowl. So it's like if you go to the playoffs, and you're not going for fourth and yeah. fours in your own half, like <laughs> Brandon Staley didn't being the talk of, you know, media everywhere across the country. Then I just think it's such an easier job. I expect him to leave, but like you said, I think there's a twenty percent chance he stays at yeah. Michigan if he just wants to coach another. Shit, dude, I, he's 60 years old. I don't know how much longer I don't know how much longer he even wants to coach. Sometimes yeah. those guys at 60 are like, okay, like I don't even really want to even coach anymore. I'm tired. Especially, you know, I've, been doing, I've been doing football, playing and coaching for 40 yeah. years. So es- it's just like, especially the fact that now he's got a national title, right? Like he talked about it last night. How important it was his dad won a national title at Western Kentucky. His brother obviously won a, a Super Bowl against him with the Ravens. Um, his brother's got a chance to win another one here. So I think this meant a lot to him. Now you get that crowning achievement. I agree. I think, you know, if he doesn't win here and he's chasing a, a championship or a Super Bowl, there's a chance he play, he stays longer. But I totally agree. I think he also wants to win a Super Bowl like his brother. Yeah. I think that also plays into it because he's Which such he a, can do. a competitive guy that I think he's like, hey, I get, I'm not taking over a bullshit team here. Right. I have a top five quarterback in the league that I'm going into. Right. You know, it's not like. I'm, you know, going to bring Colin Kaepernick back and exactly. start this thing from scratch. So, yeah. Okay, that's what I'd say. real quick, we're going to, before we move on to wild card games, give me your, give me Uncle T's way too early top five college football next year. Oh, jeez. Number one through number five, if you can do um, it. Off the top of your head. I'm putting you on the spot here. I'll put Georgia at one. Okay. Um, is McCarthy gone? What's he's, the deal th- with they him? think he's going to the NFL, but I, I I don't know. With NIL, I bet he stays. That's one guy I would actually venture to say that he ends up staying. It depends what happens with Harbaugh. I agree. If Harbaugh yeah. stays, then yeah, so, maybe. But. Um, yeah, I'll do um, Georgia 1, Texas 2. So far, we're, so far, I have the exact same um, as you. With, you know, I know you're not a Milrow guy, but. He's going to be at least a little bit better. I'll put Alabama at three. Okay. I don't have Alabama in my top five. Yeah, that's okay. Um, they're just always there. Yeah, they are. Um, Ohio State, four. And um, who do I want to put five? I'm going to put Notre Dame. At okay, five all with, right. With, uh, with what's his name? Uh, the quarterback from Duke. Riley Leonard. Yeah. Because I think they're deep. They're, the receivers are so bad. They got some good transfers. I'll put them at five. I don't know. They'll my probably be a preseason top ten, but yeah. that'll be that'll be my top five. Okay, my top five. I went Georgia one, Texas two as well. I think I do think Quinn Ewers is going to come back, much to my dismay. Um, I actually have a shocker here at three. The best transfer class in the country. My boy Lane Kiffin, number three, Ole Miss. I think they're actually going to make – I mean, that's not wild to say with a 12-team playoff, but I think they're going to the playoff yeah. next year, and I think they're actually going to make some noise. I put Oregon at four just because even though I'm not a big Dan Lanning guy, I do think he's built that program well. They did get uh, Dylan Gabriel as a transfer, who I'm not super high yeah. on, but it's but it, it, when I you're losing – When you're lo- losing Bo Nix, that's not the worst thing in the world, and when you put him in that offense, it's going to help. 
Um, it's a lot of dink and dunk and short passes to athletes. And then five, I'm going to put Michigan just because I think Michigan, if Harbaugh comes back, has a decent chance there. Really interesting, Texas plays Michigan the first week next year, uh, um, college football. Texas will take on the Wolverines there in week one. So preview of what, what could have been in the national title this year. Um, who is it? The only thing I'll say about Ole Miss, yeah, I know they got a great transfer class, and I like the way Lane, I told you the other day, is the best caller, play caller in maybe any football for my money. Yeah. Um, they lost uh, Judkins. He's leaving. That's Well, so here's the thing. Technically, well, he the, could go back. Yeah. So could that, be a negotiating that's, tactic. That's probably what it is. And if I were him, I would want to go back. But I don't I think know why he's just, he'd leave. I think he's just going to take the money somewhere and then go to the league. So he it's might. Be one of those. He might. But if I'm Ole Miss, and they definitely have the donors, I'm doing anything I can to keep him. That's so a weird. That I don't would know be, why that would make that. a big, big difference if he's there or not there. So. Now, that, that's a big loss if he doesn't but come I could, back. If he is there, I could see them being yeah, top five, top I, seven team. I, I think Ole Miss is on the on the uptick, and I I wish Texas would go after Lane Kiffin, um, but I don't think Sark's going anywhere after this season. All right. Let's move on to some NFL. We've got six games on the docket uh, for the NFL playoffs. And I guess we'll start with the NFC. And we'll start with my Dallas Cowboys, winners of the NFC East, 12-5, and five, taking on the number seven Green Bay Packers, sneaking into the playoffs at 9-8 and eight with the final wild card spot in the NFC. Dallas opened a seven-point favorite. They've been bet up to 7.5 um, in most spots. Total on the game, 50.5, second highest total in the playoff for the round one. The game's set to be kicked off at 3.30 Central Standard Time at AT&T Stadium, where the Cowboys will be playing their first home game since 2021, where they were upset by the San Francisco 49ers. They're looking for their first home playoff win since 2018, where they beat the Seattle Seahawks back when Russell Wilson was the quarterback with Pete Carroll. They won 24-22 in that matchup. Dallas comes out into this game with a very weird end of the season, right? It looked like they were playing their best football of the season after beating the Philadelphia Eagles in week 14. Jerry Jones called it the biggest win in the McCarthy era after they won 33-13 over Jalen Hurts and company. But following that game, we had some setbacks. The offense didn't look great. They struggled back-to-back games, putting up just 10 points in Buffalo and 20 in Miami, losing both games on the road where they've struggled all year. Uh, they bounce back with that controversial win over Detroit in week 17, and then they take care of business week 18. They got some help along the way with Philadelphia losing a couple games, and, and lo and behold, what looked like Dallas, a Dallas team destined to go on the road and lose early in the playoffs now gets to host a playoff game where they are 8-0. and On the other side, we have the Green Bay Packers coming in on a three-game winning streak. They've had a weird finish to their season in their own right. They get a 17-9 win over the Chicago Bears in the final game of the season to clinch a playoff spot. They, the first nine games of the season, the Packers started three and six. In those games, Jordan Love threw 14 touchdowns and 10 picks. The last eight games, Love 18 touchdowns and one pick, and the Packers are six and two, finishing the season on a heck of a run. They did have a weird little spot in between there where they had losses to the New York Giants and at home to the Tampa Bay Bucks, where they lost to Baker Mayfield, who put up a perfect passer rating in that game. So what do you think the Cowboys should do to slow down Love? Do you think there's anything special they need to do defensively? Or is Dallas good enough to just play a solid game that they normally do, you know, rush forward without bringing a lot of pressure, and uh, they'll be able to hold up in the secondary? Well, first of all, what's wrong with Gilmore? Is he out? Uh, I believe he's going to play. I think he's okay. Okay, because I remember him, like, the he last come thing off. I remember about the Cowboys game is him just holding his arm, walking off the field or let me, something. Let me so. clarify that, but I believe he's okay. So pretty that sure he's definitely okay. matters. But yeah. um, if he does play, yeah, I expect the Cowboys – 
I think Dan Quinn's going to keep it very vanilla and boring. I think he's going to bring four guys pretty much the whole game, and I think the Cowboys are just good enough to beat the Packers at home. I mean, uh, Packers are playing – Jordan Love's playing good football, but, you know, they don't have – although um, Reed's done a good job and some of their young guys have done a good job, they don't really have that one just, like, number one dominant receiver, you know, yep. that you have to worry about. Yep. So you can pretty much – with the corners Dallas have with Bland and um, Gilmore, they should be able to play a lot of man, maybe a little help over the top, and um, I think the Cowboys will be just fine. I think – I, I think it's going to be relatively close. I think the Cowboys win by, you know, seven, a touchdown, right. something like that, um, whatever. And I think that's what you said the line was. So, it, yeah, it'll be somewhere right around there would be my guess. Um, I think if LaFleur was smart, he would just run the ball with Aaron Jones 35 times. And so, unfortunately. Because, just go play, play action and, you know, try to. Because, you know, Love has been having a good, you know, second half of the season. But, dude, look, I mean, you know, he's technically – no, he's not a rookie, but this is technically his first year really starting, obviously. Yep. And uh, a road playoff game. You know, the Packers will show up. It'll be 30% Packers fans, yeah. probably. The Packers fans will show up. So, But it's just a road playoff game against a good defense to a Cowboys team that hadn't lost at home. I don't see him coming here and winning the game, but that would be my game plan. After watching what Buffalo did to the Cowboys, and, you know, typically, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but LaFleur likes to throw it. Yep. So if he would just break that trend and hand it off like the the Bills did to Cook 30 times in the game, I think that gives them a better chance to win. 100%. And to your point, Aaron Jones is healthy for the first time all year, at least 100% healthy. The last three weeks, he's gone over 100 yards in all three games. He's averaging 120 yards and six yards per carry in those three games. Of course, he has zero touchdowns in those three games because he's secretly sleeping with Matt LaFleur's wife. And uh, that's why you know, Matt LaFleur makes sure to I vulture to you vulture that early in the year. That's right. It's a true statement. I mean, it, it, there's no other logical explanation for why he always pulls him out on the one yard line and lets A.J. Dillon or Jordan Love vulture his touchdowns. But there's something he has against Aaron Jones. And I have a feeling it's one of those, uh, like you said, the Steve Nass situation where the kid came out a different color. And uh, we didn't really know how that happened there. But I'm, a, I'm assuming there's something going on there. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like you said, Dallas 8-0 at home, Green Bay 4-5 and on the road. My concern for this Green Bay team, and I, I, as, a, as a Cowboys fan, I can't help but be nervous because they just choke in these spots all the fucking it's time. The Cowboys. The Cowboys. But you look at Green Bay's defense, they're horrific. They're 23rd in EPA per play, 26th in success rate defense. I mean, they're bottom half of the league in yards per play, I yards per pass, yards per rush. Over they are. Yeah. And the secondary's been atrocious. Uh, I mean, to me, you know, you look at you look at the Cowboys' offense. Yeah, they haven't been great as of late, but they're still the number two rated offense efficiency-wise in the league, number two in pretty much every single metric. Um, I just pray Rico Dowdle doesn't get more than five fucking snaps in this game, or I'm gonna throw up. Rico, but Rico is just the worst. Rico fucking Dowdle, man. Um, but on paper, this game should not be close. Dallas should win it relatively easily, like you said. I'm just. I'm going to need you to sit in your chair Sunday afternoon if this game gets close, Turner, because you were undefeated when you sit in my dad's chair. And Any that team called the Cowboys. It, Wyoming Cowboys are Dallas Cowboys. That's right. We're undefeated. So I, I'm going to need you to sit in that chair if this game gets tight. We're not going to mess around with this. I may just have you sit in it from the start. I don't want to I don't want to go into halftime down have and have to, to change. Big, we're going to have to ask Big Dog about that. No, fuck Big Dog. He, if you tell him if you tell him it's lucky, he'll he'll let you sit in the chair. You know he will. If I say it, then he'll just tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> but if you tell him, he'll actually let you do it. One last little thing on this game, key injuries for the Packers, and it, and it looks like Stephon Gilmore is going to play. The MRI looked good, they said. But 
Christian Watson been dealing with a hamstring. He's been out for a couple weeks in a row. He's questionable. Romeo Dobbs and A.J. Dillon both questionable as well. Um, you know, even if they, even if Watson does go, who's there, been their number one target um, when healthy, he's not going to be 100%. He's been dealing with this hamstring, you know, for his entire career pretty much. Uh, Jaden Reed also dealing with I a feel like injury. they've been moving the ball better without Watson in there. He's been out a few weeks, and they've been putting up points. They have, but I mean, I, I mean, think that Bears game, I mean. They I mean, didn't move it that well. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it was a, that was a pretty, that was a snooze fest of a yeah. game. But Fields was bad, man. Yeah, he was he was horrible. He got a, he got himself traded after that. That one. that was his yeah. That's it's over for him in Chicago. Let's move on to game two. I think this might be the most compelling matchup of the NFC first round. It's the Detroit Lions, the number three seed in the NFC, the uh, NFC North champion Detroit Lions for the first time since 1993, I believe. Um, they are 12 and five coming into this game. Um, the they take on the number six Los Angeles Rams, who come in 10 and seven, and the Rams. Possibly the hottest team in the NFL right now. The line on this one opened three and a half, shaded to the dog. Some places moving closer to three. Highest total in all the games at 51 and a half. So expecting some points here. Game's going to be at Ford Field in Michigan. Luckily for Noodle Arm, Jared Goff, this game's indoors because he cannot play in any sort of weather. But um, this indoor game will be interesting. Obviously, the storyline going in is Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford going against each other, right? McVay going against his old quarterback. The whole big trade they had where Stafford was shipped to L.A. and then ended up winning a Super Bowl. Obviously, though, this is not the same Rams team that we saw back um, with that Super Bowl run. That said, the Rams come into this matchup off a four-game winning streak. They've won seven of their last eight games. Um, you know, in fact, the only loss they've had in the second half of the season came at Baltimore in a game where they were tied, went to overtime, and apparently what happened is in that game, there was a punt return for a touchdown, and the officials decided, you know, it's just rainy and cold, and we're tired of being out here, so we're going to let 19 holds go on the punt return and let Baltimore return it for a touchdown to win the game. Rams, that's the only loss they've had. Stafford's been great his last seven, seven games, 16 touchdowns, four picks, um, posted the second-best QBR in the NFL over that stretch. When you look at the Lions, their struggles are what the Rams do well, right? They've been really bad against the pass. They're 27th in pass yards allowed a game, 30th in pass yards, passing yards per attempt, and 25th in both drawback EPA and success rate. My question to you is, do you think the Rams have enough offensive firepower uh, to pull off this road upset, or do the Lions find a way to get their first playoff win in the last 32 years and just their second playoff win in franchise history? Well, I think I always like to say WTW, which is will to win. I think that the Lions are just, this game means so much more to them. I don't know if that's necessarily going to play in their favor or not, but I think that they will be the team with the home crowd behind them that haven't really been in the, you know, worth a shit in 30 years. So, I, and you have the storyline of, you know, that Jared Goff's going to hear all week from Dan Campbell. You weren't good enough. They traded you over here. You know, you know, you're a bum, you know, this and that, the other. They didn't want you. They took our quarterback and sent you over here because, you know, this and that and the other. And obviously it worked out um, for the Rams, yeah. right? So, um, but golf's been okay. He, he's got that offense is loaded. He does a good job of really managing the offense. And he hasn't, you know, made too, too many mistakes this year. I do think that. My gut feeling on it is the Rams are going to win. It's a, a full – to me, it's a full coin toss. Yeah. I literally think it could go either way. I do think that Detroit's going to have a really hard time stopping the Rams' offense. So. Yeah. And I just don't know. I feel like – I feel the Rams could get a couple more stops. I don't know. I'm going to – I'm 
I'm gonna say I don't know if we're giving picks here, but I, I would say I would say Rams by a field goal. Oh, so you're I actually just, gonna pick the Rams? Yeah, I, I'm gonna pick the Rams. I don't know why, but I am. I just Detroit's Detroit. I just don't know. No, I, they, I'm picking they, the Rams they, too. Until they prove it, I just the Rams. It's just Puka and Cup are so hard to cover, and it's just. And Monroe St. Brown's a great player too. Speaking of, is Laporta okay? Didn't he go down? So, okay, if so he's not looked, playing, they it, might be fucked. So I don't. Again, it's it's gamesmanship because it looked to me really bad. I mean, he he was able to get up and walk off the field, but then they got the cart and took him back to the locker room. They came out yesterday last night. Questionable. And said, yeah, like he might play. You there's some hope. There's a, some hope. You could always put a right. questionable so tag and not get in trouble. But they're trying to even like I think they're trying to leak things like, yeah, he might actually play. I'd be shocked. The knee looked if bad. If he if he got carted off, he still won't be effective. So yeah, right. I'm gonna say that's a that's a big point of emphasis for me too. Laporte is awesome when he's healthy. So yeah, I would say I'll say Rams by a field goal. That was a big mistake, I think. I know Dan Campbell had something to play for in that spot, but Man, they lost him, and they also lost, I believe, uh, Reynolds, their wide receiver, got so injured question, as well. So, question, was the only way they could become the two seed is if the Cowboys lost in Washington? Both the Cowboys and the Eagles had to lose. That was stupid. So I would have ju just rested If everybody. either of them won, then they would have gotten the three seed. Question, though. So, if the – oh, yeah, because the Eagles obviously couldn't – yeah, got it. Right. So, okay. So, that's so, why. So, yeah, I mean, literally – It was, it was mean, like I a 5% know. chance that was going to happen. If I'm Dan Campbell, I, I just – yeah, you also could have. I know, I know, the the, I know the way he is, but yeah. Once you see, once you see that, hey, look, the Cowboys are winning by seventeen points. Get your get, starters, get your starters out. out. Yeah. It's I don't just know so why. Dumb. You know, they they look good that first half, right? Get them out. The game doesn't matter. Look, so. I had Detroit minus three in that game because I knew Dan Campbell wasn't going to do that. I knew he was going to play his guys the whole game, and uh, and I'm glad that he did for that reason. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Rams to win this game too. The one thing I will say that's going to be interesting to me is I feel like you know. The Rams are definitely like a, a really good passing offense, and I think they're going to exploit the, the Lions' defense in that regard. But McVay and Shanahan have this notion that they're pass-heavy, but they're both kind of based on the run. Yeah. And here's the, the key thing for me. Kyron Williams has gone over 100 yards in five of his last seven games. Um, he's rushed for over 1,100 yards and 15 total touchdowns on the year. He's third in the in the league, actually, in rushing yards. The, the Lions actually have – one of the best run defenses in football. They're like the third best run defense in football. Good so against the run, yeah, bad against pass. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. Like, does McVay, does McVay commit to the run and just say, "Hey, we're going to establish the run to set up the pass like we normally do," or is he going to have a game plan where this is just a Matthew Stafford game and he thinks, "Okay, I can just throw all over them." You know, that's going to be a fascinating matchup for me because I, I don't know how much success you're going to have on the ground against this Lions defense with how good they've been against the run. I think he's going to stick with it at least early. Yeah. I think for the first half, you're going to see nothing change. And then, you know, if they're down and, you know, whatever, but that offense just kind of goes as far as, you know, setting it up for those plays. Not that it necessarily needs to, but obviously they're setting up the pass with the runs, whatever, right. and Kyron Williams has been good. If he can hold on to the damn ball, I forgot who we were watching him play against, and he fumbled like three times yeah, in the game. Yeah, yep. So I don't know if he, like, I don't watch the Rams play a ton. I don't know who that was against. I forgot, but it was like, I don't know if that's an, an ongoing problem or he had, not. But he hadn't fumbled since he hadn't okay. fumbled since that game. But yeah, I remember that. It was not good. Um, my my pick's gonna be. I'm gonna say Rams 28, Lions 24. Although I kind of I I actually like the Rams overall better. I, I'm I'm a Stafford fan. and I'm not a golf fan. However, I would be happy for the Lions if they won. 
Uh, I would, yeah, I would rather see the Lions win the game. But it would be really interesting to see, assuming that the Cowboys don't blow it to the Packers, if the Rams do pull the upset off, they'll get San Francisco in that second round, and that would be a very fascinating matchup between McVay and Shanahan. Obviously, Shanahan has dominated that matchup in the regular season, but McVay got the best of them last time they met in the playoffs. All right, moving on now to the, the last game in the NFC. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the number four seed, who are 9-8, and eight, despite having a worse record than the 11-6 and six Philadelphia Eagles. The Bucs will host this game in Tampa Bay. The Eagles are a three-point favorite total on the game, 44-and-a-half. The Eagles have looked like a shell of their Super Bowl uh, contender team last year where they made it all the way and barely lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They've lost five of their last six games, including losses against Seattle, Arizona, and the New York Giants, all of which missed the playoffs, um, especially last week when it looked like I understand the Eagles didn't have a huge incentive to play, but at the beginning of the game, they were trying to win, and it was 24-0 New York before Philadelphia decided to pull all their starters. Look, Jalen Hurts, you know, y'all call him the Black Tom Brady, BTB, He's looked like the black Sam Darnold, okay? He's looked like an absolute bum out there. They have, him, they have him falling on fumbles in practice with a string on the ball, pulling it out to practice, not losing the ball. He looks like the most inaccurate quarterback in football. Four touchdowns and five interceptions in his last five games, and the Eagles are one and four in those starts. There are cries in Philadelphia for Nick Sirianni's job at this point, which is crazy. Um, Fuck it, Philadelphia. Literally, literally, I'm not even kidding, dude. I heard... I heard Joe Fortenbaum and uh, is that like is that like uh, some Philadelphia no, host or no, something? No, no, no. Fortenbaum is on ESPN. He does like oh, the ESPN okay. bet thing, but he's got a uh, Joe versus um, uh, Carlin or whatever. And um, basically, they were both saying like, if the Eagles were to lose to Tampa Bay, they might fire Sirianni. Like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, I, I could, I'd be shocked. It's not gonna happen. Um, but the Bucks, on the other hand, they've had a really weird year because you know. It looked in the middle of the season, or not the middle, but the, towards the end, weeks 13 through 16, they won four straight games, right? Baker Mayfield looked really, really good. Um, obviously, we mentioned he had a perfect passer rating against Green Bay over there at Lambeau Field, and they and they won the game by double digits. But the past two weeks have been really tough. The Bucks were nearly shut out at home against New Orleans. They scored two touchdowns late when they were already down 24 or 23-0. Um, you know, they lose that game. And then they're in a must-win last week against the Carolina Panthers. They don't score an offensive touchdown. They win it with three field goals, nine to nothing. Their defense held up. But, you know, we know the Eagles' defense has been bad this season. But with how the Buccaneers have looked offensively the past few weeks and Baker Mayfield not looking that great, the offensive line not protecting, are, are the Tampa Bay Bucks going to be able to exploit the Eagles' secondary the way a lot of these teams late in the season have? Yeah, I think so. I think Goodwin and Evans will be fine. I, I don't know what's – is A.J. Brown playing? I don't think so, but they said they said he's questionable. Because he went down, right? It, it looked, looked like it looked like a torn ACL, but he is questionable apparently. Okay. Apparently. Um, keep it somewhat short and sweet here. I think the Bucks are going to win the game. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. Sirianni's not going anywhere. But to me, weirdly enough, and you know, we joke around and say Black Tom Brady because your dad loves Jalen Hurts, but it looks like that team is like borderline. Given up on Jalen Hurts all of yep. a sudden. It's very strange. Yep. Like, I don't know what, you know, you never know what happens behind closed doors or whatever, but, and I also think it's kind of being led by fucking A.J. Brown, like, you know, your it diva is. receiver. It is. Oh, man, you know, someone should be able to give me the ball, this and that and the other, you know, just being a diva receiver like all the best ones are. Um, you know, I'm always open, the Jamar Chase. 
Throw me the damn ball. Yeah. Uh, but I think um, for whatever reason, man, and, and I don't even look too far into last week's game. I really don't because it's so hard in the NFL when you have the Giants. There's probably a couple guys out there playing for incentives, and they've had just a dog shit year, and they're like, you know what? We just want to beat the hell out of the Eagles. And the Eagles know the cow. The Eagles know the Cowboys are going to beat the Commanders. Yep. So you're out there sleepwalking, and then you lose AJ Brown because you're out there playing. I just it just smells like a disaster in Philadelphia. I'm going to say the Bucks win this game by seven points. Man, that's a interesting pick. I I wanna. I want they to just tell look you, like they've given a, given up on the season. No, I, I, I don't know what it is. You are totally right, and I'm going to be pulling for the Bucks 100%. Man, I really want to pick the Bucks here, too. You kind of almost convinced me in this take because I was going to pick the Eagles for sure just because I, I just think – I don't know why, but I just think that the way Tampa's looked the last couple weeks, I don't trust Baker Mayfield. But, neither, neither do I. Right, right. <laughs> but, but that said, like, you know – I will say, you are right. It looks like that team has given up. I mean, the loss last week, like you said, okay, chalk it up to last game of the season. They know they're probably – the Cowboys are probably not losing to the Commanders. So it's like, what incentive do we have here? But I just thought that the Eagles, looking at that game, was like, okay, we've played so bad as of late. We need to go into the playoffs on a, on a positive note. And they just looked at, as bad as they could have. So that was a bad sign. Then the the worst sign to me was the the Cardinals game. They were up fourteen to three in that game after a Kyler Murray pick six in the second quarter. I don't know how they found a way to lose that game uh, to a Cardinals team that, that finished with four wins. And not only that, the Cardinals secondary is one of the worst in the league, and they could not throw the ball efficiently in the game. I don't know what has happened in Philadelphia in terms of the defense this year because it's not like there's a there was huge losses. There was a few losses, but it wasn't like the entirety of the roster, half the roster was gone. The offense doesn't surprise me as much because I've been saying this. You've heard me say this for three years. I think Jalen Hurts is a fraud. I've been saying it for a long time. I, I, I will say you have to give me this. I might be a hater on some things, but I don't on my takes, no matter how good a quarterback's playing, if I don't like them, I continue to say they're bad. And if I think a quarterback's good, I'll continue to say they're yeah, good. Yeah, you've always disliked Jalen Hurts. I, and I mean, here's the thing. I mean, full disclosure here. And we joke. You know, when Big Dog's on here, because he's a Jags guy and whatever. But it's like, I actually think, you know, Trevor Lawrence can stand in the pocket when he is healthy and throw. He he, he does some bonehead things. But when it comes he's to actually talent. throwing the ball yeah, down the field, Hurts throws a go, go ball, and that's about it. Also with him, too, that I didn't get to when we were talking about, and I'm not making excuses for him because I really don't think he's that good. I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think he's as bad as you think, but I certainly don't agree with Big Dog. Yeah. But he, if you watch him, when he takes off running, running, not throwing, right. there's been something wrong with his leg all year. I agree. Like, to the sensor, it's like he's not trying to run. Not that he should be doing it, but, I mean, I'm telling you, like, when he gets up, you know, and I don't know what it is, obviously. Not a medical professional here, but there's something wrong with his leg. Yeah. So, to me, he just hasn't looked nearly as explosive running the ball. I think he's less. he's been less likely later in the year to – to take off and run as well, and they're trying to, he's trying to be this pocket passer. But yeah, man, when you have, you know, receivers voicing their opinions about a franchise quarterback, you know, their franchise quarterback, who did obviously, you know, he made a couple big mistakes, but played a pretty good Super Bowl last year. And, you know, if you have A.J. Brown having these good years and he's still bitching about it. Yeah. They're usually where there's, you know, smoke, there's fire, and there's been, there's something going on in Philadelphia. I agree. 
your franchise quarterback diving on balls at practice, <laughs> like almost embarrassing him. And then and then you come out with the effort lately, and now AJ Brown's probably hurt. I just don't think that team believes at this point they can get back to the Super Bowl and they're just not playing hard. Yeah. And I don't like the Bucs. I'll get that tell you. I don't like the Bucs at all. I just think the Bucs are gonna come out and play very hard at home. And like you said, it's all about that Eagles secondary that's bad. Mike Evans and Goodwin all or Godwin, although Baker Mayfield's not great, those guys can tear up a bad secondary. Yeah, yeah. So I that's that's what I'm thinking. And I, like I said, I mean it really is a coin toss game. I just if the Eagles get back to, you know, the way they were playing somewhat early in the year, they'll win the game. I just don't think they're gonna get there. I actually think the game comes down to one thing and that's can the Buccaneers protect Baker? Because that's yeah. the one thing that I've noticed the last couple weeks is I know Baker's not played as well, but they've pressure's been getting to him a lot. When pressure gets to a short quarterback who's not very talented and, and is prone to making mistakes, it's usually not not a good sign for the Bucks. But that said, I'm actually you've convinced me it wasn't it wasn't hard. <laughs> well, it wasn't hard because I hate the Eagles. I just yeah. needed an excuse. I just was thinking, you know, you know, the Eagles will turn it on the playoffs. But you know what? I think you're right. I think they've given up on the season, and I think they I think Sirianni's lost the locker room because that whole act of like yelling at other players and yelling at the crowd and you know being that type of when it's kind of like the Belichick thing. It, when it's not working, it, it doesn't look very good. And it's not – if you noticed, I saw this a couple weeks ago. It was in the game they actually won against the Giants. He was screaming at some at a couple players on the sideline when they were, like, losing the game and it, or when, when they were blowing the lead against New York on Christmas. And it was just – it looked like – it looked like – obviously, we don't know what they're saying, and it's not – I'm not comparing it, but it looked like, you know, we're watching ICC and Jason Brown and things aren't going well on the sideline. And he's like, you punk-ass motherfucker, you a punk-ass bitch. That's what it looked like. And the players are fighting back. Look, look at this motherfucker talking <laughs> to me. That's what it sounded like. To me, I was, like, picturing in my head Jason Brown and, like, uh, Carlos Thompson yelling back at each other, you know, uh, go fuck yourself the whole time. So, And then after the game when they won, you could see Sirianni over there trying to, like, make amends with the guy. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if Sirianni's kind of lost the locker room there too, which may be why we're getting reports of people saying – you know, he could get fired. I don't think that another should happen. Th another thing I'll bring up is, I forgot about this, they've only won one game since a Big Sal's been off the sidelines for touching that player, and whatever the fuck his name uh, is. That big Italian goon. Yeah, yeah. The what's, head of, the head of security, name? I don't know, Sal something, I think, or it was like something like that. So, uh, no, it's Dom, isn't it? Dom. Dom, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Maybe his last name is, I don't know, Dom. Dom DeSandro. DeSandro. Yeah. That's where he's getting that. DeSandro. But, yeah, they've only won one game since Dom's been off the sidelines. It's you know, he's the heart and soul of that team. But the funniest thing about that shit was after he did that, his title was, like, strictly <laughs> security. And then I guess they figured, since they weren't going to let him back on the field, like Howie Roseman or someone made him, like, Special advisor to the uh, <laughs> yeah, general that. manager. So he's in the box yeah, now. Security slash special <laughs> yeah. advisor to the so, yeah. He's like so a he's folk like in the legend. Box, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're in there, if you're in there touching other players in the sideline, you don't deserve to be down there. But that is pretty funny, and they do love him in Philadelphia. Let's switch over to the AFC real quick, and we'll start with the first Saturday game matchup, which is a game we discussed off air uh, on Sunday together. Um, where the number five Cleveland Browns 11 and six take on the number four Houston Texans 10 and seven. Again, similar to the NFC, we have the same type of deal where the number four seed actually has the worst record, but they're hosting the playoff game because yeah. they won their division. 
This game is going to be kicked off at 3.30 Central Standard Time at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas on NBC. It's the first playoff game that will happen. The Browns opened as a one-and-a-half point favorite, which we were discussing. You thought it was going to be closer to that, and now it's been bet up to where I thought it might end up, which is three. Uh, we'll see where that number goes if it actually gets – if it gets through a key number, that's a good sign that, that the Browns have a lot of uh, – there's, it's a good chance the Browns are going to win the game if that goes through that key number of three to three. And I a half. think it's going to stay at um, three, but probably I, so, probably so, because I think there would be buyback on the Texans at three and a half. But total on the game forty four and a half. Browns with just their third playoff appearance in the past twenty three seasons. They actually did win a playoff game back in twenty twenty. I looked this up. I was shocked. They beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers back in twenty twenty um, by eleven in the playoffs. Cleveland finished second in the AFC North behind the number one seed Baltimore Ravens. The Texans, on the other hand, looking for their first playoff win since the 2019 season where they defeated the Buffalo Bills in overtime, a game started by none other than Cleveland quarterback Deshaun Watson, who's obviously not starting in this game. The guy who is starting in this guy game is old man Joe Flacco. You know, he's, he's having his swan song, right? His last ride here, nobody expected this to happen. He said he was about to give up on the NFL when he got signed to the Browns late in the year, and we know he's had a resurgence. 4-1 as a starter since taking over for the Browns. He led the league in touchdown passes in the last four games. He started with 13. He has turned the ball over a little bit, but, you know, Cleveland's looked like a really good team, and with that defense, um, you know, they're the number one defense in the league in a lot of different metrics. The Texans, on the other hand, the surprise team of the NFL, D'Amico Ryan's done an excellent job. They're just the fifth team in NFL history with a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback to make the playoffs. The last time it happened was Andrew Luck and Chuck Pagano back in 2012. So we know this, uh, we know this Texas team is very banged up, right? I think that's going to be a big factor. I think that's where we should start here. Wide receivers Noah Brown and Robert Woods both missed their the game, which was a winner go home against the Colts last week. Will Anderson, their star rookie defensive end, was limited. He was basically only inserted as a pass rusher in the game, played about 50% of the snaps. We also know their other defensive end, Jonathan Grenard, missed the Colts game as well. So they're banged up, right? So, Uncle T, what is the most important factor in this game? Is it the Texans' offense having to find success against an elite Browns defense? Or is it Joe Flacco continuing his stellar play? Or is it even the Texans' injury concerns going into this big game? I think it's probably the injury concerns. They have a lot of a lot of people out. And like you said, Will Anderson hasn't been himself like the last few weeks anyway. Um, I think the um, – the Browns are going to win this game by, I think you think they're going to win by more. I think they're going to win this game by like three. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. Um, I, I think the Browns defense, which is the better defense, obviously, will probably make a play or two more and Stroud might throw an interception. Like I said, if the Texans did have Tank Dell and Collins healthy and Will Anderson healthy, I think this is a coin toss game if those guys are all healthy. Um, but I think uh, the Browns ultimately win the game by you know, I always say a field goal, but I'll say a field goal. I mean, I just don't see either team really just pulling away from each other in right. this. Mari Cooper rested up probably, so that's good for his health. I mean, they need need him to have a big game. So um, I'll take old man Joe against the rookie, and uh, I'll say Browns by a field goal. But I'm going to be rooting for the Texans. Yeah, I know you're going to be rooting for the Texans. I'm rooting for the Browns. I like the Browns. I've, I've kind of almost become a Browns fan. I really do. One other thing, too. I yeah. know you're Browns, right? Uh, this is whoever wins this game gets coach of the year. If D'Amico uh, Ryans wins yes. versus Stefanski, whoever wins this game will get, get coach of the year. I agree. And in I my think, opinion. I think Kevin Stefanski is my coach of the year, and I think he's going to win this game. But, yeah, you're probably right. If D'Amico Ryans Beats were to win him, this I game, he probably would. Just you're right. Head, yeah. I agree. Um, but when we look at this game um, – 
you know, here's my my thing on it. I I would make I looked I I have my own power rankings for my betting and, and I make Cleveland on a neutral field if both teams are completely healthy in their current states. I make Cleveland about a four and a half point favorite on a on a neutral field when healthy. So you move it to Houston. Uh, home field for Houston, we're pretty close to the number with the home field advantage of where we're at at three. My feeling just is with all the injuries for Houston, that number comes down. You know, to me, if you can get the Browns, and I know we're not going to get too much into the betting this, but I, I said this to you, you know, if I can get the Browns at anything below a field goal, I think there's value there. I think the Browns are going to win the game by a field goal or more. Um, my, my issue with Houston is actually not their offense, although I think they're going to struggle to move the ball without healthy receivers against that Browns defense. They're the number one defense against the pass. The, the actual place that you attack the Browns defense to have success is on the ground, and Devin Singletary just hasn't been that great this year. They haven't run the ball all that well. Um, Houston's defense, though, they're, they're, they're just not very good. They're 15th in yards per play, 15th in yards per game allowed, but they really struggle against the pass. Um, they're 23rd in pass yards per game allowed, 27th in yards per pass allowed at 7 per game or 7 per pass. So to me, it's like, okay, you have a team that's a little bit better against the run. They're terrible against the pass. But then you look at last week's game against the Colts and a must win and the current health that they're at. Jonathan Taylor went for 30 carries and 188 yards. They ran all over them. Yep. And they were pretty much one-dimensional, right? Like Gardner Minshew wasn't going to beat you in that game. So to me – I just don't see – like, it, it would just take a lot of things to go right for the Texans to win this game, right? Like, they would have to play a really good defensive game. Flacco would probably have to, to turn the ball over multiple times, and the Texans would have to find some way to get their ground game going. The, the problem with it is, too, and, and uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this game because I want to move on, but you look at the Browns' defense – um, uh, against the run, I just don't see a path for Houston getting a, getting stops. And uh, you look at it, late-season late, late season buys for teams proved to be very beneficial. The Browns essentially got a buy last week, right? They didn't play any of their guys. They were locked into the fifth seed, where the Texans, who were already banged up, had to play a full 60-minute, essentially, playoff game on the road. Now they're having to go right back, to, back home now, play against a more physical, better defense, better team, to me, it's just a bad spot for the Texans. Could they win it? Absolutely. Joe Flacco, like you said, Joe Flacco could, could turn into Joe Flacco at any point. You made a great point there, right? Like, he could turn into old Joe Flacco at any point, and if that happens, you know, all hell could break loose, and, you know, hell, anything could happen. Texas could win by two touchdowns. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think Flacco and, and the rest is going to help the Browns here. I think Cleveland wins this game by 10 I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a blowout by any means, but I just think Cleveland leads majority of the game and you know maybe tacks on a field goal late to win by ten. Um, but we can move on. Um, game two, <sighs> interesting, and I'm gonna love these weather games here. We got a game in Kansas City, right? We've got the number six Miami Dolphins, eleven and six, taking on the eleven and six Kansas City Chiefs, who come in as the number three seed. The kickoff set for Saturday night, seven p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank God the NFL has decided to put this game on Peacock so we can all watch it. If we don't have a Peacock uh, subscription, we have to now subscribe to Peacock to watch the game. But the saving grace is we will get a commercial-free fourth quarter, so thank fucking God. Um, I, I unfortunately have Peacock. I get charged six fifty for it every <laughs> fucking month, and I never unsubscribe. I do, too. I see it come out, I'm like, the fuck is that? Oh, <laughs> Peacock again. It got me again. I don't know how. $6.50 every fucking month, so I have it. 
The, the worst I'll be one, able to stream it. The worst one for me is the Fubo TV one. Whenever I want to watch a Pac-12 network game, I go get a new credit card and I subscribe to, to Fubo TV for the seven-day free trial. But those fuckers get you because if you on most free trials you can cancel immediately, right? And then it'll just let you finish the seven-day trial. No, Fubo, they aren't doing that shit, right? You you have to if you unsubscribe, they cancel your subscription immediately. So you gotta you gotta toe the line there. It's like it's like playing Russian roulette with your with your fifty seven dollars. And if you want to watch that, you gotta add, I add on all the sports packages because it's fucking free, right? So I go and add, and then you know I had I had done it about seventeen times and I got away with it every time. And that damn eighteenth time, I fucking forgot and they charged me seventy four ninety nine with all my packages. You deserve that. You yeah, own fuck, that fucking no, money. No fuck Fubo TV. All right, bullshit. All right, that's why I go to YouTube TV. I've actually never forgot to cancel it, but um, I've done I definitely back in my heyday have done that before yeah youtube tv official sponsor non-official sponsor of the slobber knocker sports podcast peacock tv peacock tv but um back, back to this game real quick um it is on peacock and uh if you don't have it i don't think they actually offer a what's free the trial. weather going on so weather could definitely play a key role and it's a great point so the day before kickoff we're expecting one to two inches of snow in kansas city um, and at game time, it's projected to be 19 degrees and feel like three degrees. The low at night, which I don't think it's going to get here. I think this is more like middle of the night, but the low at night in Kansas city is negative six degrees, which would feel like negative 24. Again, I don't think we're going to get there. I think it's going to be more in the 15 to 19, 20 range. So it's going to feel close to zero though. Um, winds are going to be up to 15 miles per hour. Obviously, weather is a huge advantage to Kansas City, right? Like we have the the South Beach Miami Dolphins and and T Rex Tua going on the road to uh, to Kansas City. I don't know T-Rex how. T Rex Tua. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah T Rex Tua. <laughs> I don't know how uh, often we're gonna get um, we're gonna get a, a good game out of Tua and weather. He's not that great in, in in South Beach as it is. But you add in the psychological aspect of this game, right? The Dolphins basically look to have all but clinched the division five weeks ago. They led by three games over the Bills. They basically collapsed down the stretch. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get the job done on Sunday night, and the Bills take home the division. Now Miami has to go on the road. But the big the big story of this game, and, and I, we'll start here. Before you tell me the line, let me tell the people this. Yeah. I don't gamble anymore. I'm retired. I don't know what the line is. I guarantee you the Chiefs are going to win this game by a touchdown or more. I already bet it. Guarantee it. I like I said, I have no idea what it is. The Chiefs. This is a whole. This out of all the spots in the playoffs, this has got to be the worst one. It is. The Dolphins can't play in cold weather. Yep. Tua doesn't like pressure, and that's all Kansas City does. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna end up being a bloodbath. It is. It's like they blew the division at home. They could have been playing at home. They could have two playoff games at home. Now they have to go on the road to Casey. Casey hasn't been playing that well. They're going to take this game very serious. Pacheco's going to run it a thousand times. They're going to dink and dump to him. Kelsey will get involved. I think I'm going to say the I'm going to say the Chiefs win this game by two touchdowns. I I actually think you're exactly right. I think you're spot on. And part of why I think that is, I I do feel bad for Miami. The injury bug has hit this team worse than oh, maybe yeah. I've ever I mean, seen. Everybody's hurt. I don't yeah. think I've seen a team this decimated by injuries in ever. I mean, they essentially have lost their entire offensive line. Taron Armstead is the only offensive lineman, I believe, who started the season who's still starting. You look at it, Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert, both questionable for this game, didn't play last game, right? Um, we know Bradley Chubb, star defensive end, tore his ACL. Javon Howland has been dealing with a knee and ankle injury. He's questionable for the game. Doesn't look like he's going to go. They have... I could list the, the the injuries that they've had on this season, but then 
after all those injuries in the Buffalo game, they lose Andrew Van Ginkle and Cameron Good, both their starting linebackers for the playoffs in that game. I mean, you just can't make this up. They've yeah. had they, Tyreek Hill's fucking house caught on fire two weeks ago. I mean, it just everything that could go Did wrong. Did you hear why he was upset about that? Why? He couldn't play Fortnite. <laughs> I swear to God, didn't no he way. say that in a press conference? I swear it was something like that. Oh, that's funny. Yes, no, he did. They're like, what did we? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to play Fortnite tonight or something <laughs> something like that. I swear I'll find it. It was something along it, those lines. It didn't actually burn all the way down, right? It was just kind of a house fire and had I, some I damage. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was going to inconvenience him that he couldn't play games at night. So yeah, I mean, when, when you're one of your nine kids is playing with a cigarette lighter inside, bad things tend to happen. Is, I wonder, that, what ha- is that what happened? Supposedly, yes. I, I, I don't know if it was Tyreek Jr. That might be the least surprising news ever. Yeah. 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 Cigarette Tyre- light. One of Tyreek Hill's kids lit a pillow on fire. Man, I watched Tyreek Hill in that first episode of um, of the Miami Hard Knocks in season, and I was like, man, this guy's real mature. You know, like you, that, that's what he, that's what he presented. And I hadn't ever seen like much like press conference with him or anything. I'm like, man, he, you know, they're talking about their business and all this like type of stuff that him and his wife do. And then I find out like two days later, he's got you know seven kids with four different women and while being married yeah yeah and and the, while being with his girlfriend his longtime girlfriend who's now he's married to um yeah which who is uh kenny vaccaro's sister who played at texas um yeah we can we can go into that but we'll we'll keep that on the down low um but um anyway it's just been a bad bad stretch for the dolphins right and um you know l- you look at 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 the health of the defense specifically and i know kansas city has struggled we all know that Travis Kelsey has had a horrific year basically because solely, uh, you know, Taylor Swift. I mean, I think we can all say it at, uh, 100%. This is the reason. Taylor, you have, cost, you have cost Kansas City. The Swifties might come after me, but you have cost Kansas City another Super Bowl here. Travis Kelsey does not care about football anymore. All he cares about is marrying Taylor Swift. Um, and uh, I, who was the guy, uh, Joe Coy, who made the joke about her? On uh, the Golden Globes the other night, yeah, yeah, Travis Kelsey, Killa Kelsey's coming after you, buddy. I would be, I would watch out if I were you. Um, but uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I don't, you don't go after the Swifties, bro. In Bad all se- in all seriousness, though, he's had his worst career since 2015. He's, the, you know, he's been fucking horrible. He's, he's checked horrible. out. Yeah, he's checked out. 100%. Five touchdowns, less than a thousand yards. He may receiving. play one more year. He's done. That's yeah. it. Um, so just real quick, because I know you're, you're picking the Chiefs, I'm picking the Chiefs. We can move on, but. What's your take on this Chiefs team in terms of like after this game? Do they have a chance to actually make a run here, or like, like do you think Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid will have that type of switch that some teams have, like like Brady used to, where they get in the playoffs and they just find ways to win, or is this just not not a Kansas City team that has a chance to win at all? I don't know. I've made the mistake of doubting them before. I, I they could they could make a run, but I just I really do think the big issue is Kelsey, and I really just don't think he cares much. Yeah. I, really, I mean, that's just my feeling on I don't know. That's what it looks like. To me, it looks like he's kind of going through the motions, and maybe he's like, hey, I'll pick it up in the postseason. But, you know, now he's an entertainer. He's got one of the biggest podcasts in the world. He's dating. Shout out New Heights. The most famous person in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, football comes third. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. But um, I, I do think. It, sh- it shouldn't, but I'm just saying at no, this No, no, it I does. Mean, just what, it that's does. That's what it is. So It does. I, I don't think they could go up because if they both win, they would go to Buffalo. And I, w- I want to get to that in a second. I mean, that's I mean they could. It, it, I do hope that game happens. Would and love then that. Of, and then, of course, I mean, it's Buffalo Bills. They could, they could lose right. the game, obviously. Right. I, mean, I just I just find it hard to believe with Mahomes never having gone on the road in the playoffs, they're going to go win back-to-back road playoff games. Like, I just find that hard to believe. Like, they're going to have to go basically to – most likely to Buffalo and then to uh, – uh, Baltimore if they win. So Yeah, I don't think they'll win both those. I think that, you know, 
as they've always kind of had the Bills number in a sense, right? Um, especially in the postseason. But those games have been an arrowhead. They've been very close, right? So I don't know. Hopefully the Bills take them out. We'll see. Yeah, let's look at the last playoff game real quick. Uh, the AFC game number three, the Buffalo Bills number two seed, somehow the number two seed Buffalo Bills taking on. The somehow number seven seed Pittsburgh Steelers, the battle of teams who we don't know how they got here. Uh, this game is going to be kicked off at one o'clock Eastern time on Sunday at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. The Bills opened an eight and a half fa point favorite. It quickly got bought up to 10. So professional money on the Bills early total of very low thirty five and a half. Um, speaking of weather that we saw in Kansas City, similar thing in Buffalo, right? We have uh, a little bit warmer than, than Kansas City. Weather in Buffalo, the high on the day of the game is 24 degrees. The low is 14. It's going to feel like around one degree at Yeah, kickoff. the wind's probably going to be blowing like 40 fucking miles an hour. And we've got yeah, some snow. I mean, I can't imagine in that kind of game the Bills. Look, we've seen the Bills play, right? They don't, especially lately, they've been finding ways to win games. That's what they do. They find ways to win. But I don't think. You know, obviously, I think T.J. Watt's going to be out. That's the that's big deal. the huge thing. And here. I assume even if he, he is he, out, yeah, he is so, out. So then, yeah, I mean, that's that's you know the nail in the coffin for the Steelers. If they had him, and you know, he could you know maybe make a couple big plays, stripping the ball from Allen or sacking him. But I think this is going to be a fucking hideous game, and I think the Bills will win by seven. Yeah, that would be my guess. Maybe even a fucking field goal. I yeah. don't know. I mean, the Bills will find a way to win, and they'll move on like they've been doing lately. Uh, I actually so. thought the Steelers had a shot to win it if until I heard not not that I thought they would. I just oh, thought yeah. that they had a an actual like well, very the weather's small that fucking bad, right. and anything can happen. But I mean, and, and but with T.J. Watt out, that's just you can't understate that loss. He's I the mean, heart and soul. He's the team. heart and soul of the team. You, if you have him and Cameron Hayward in the middle, you have a chance to actually stop the Bills' run game, which is what they've pretty much done, you know, religiously lately. But, you know, I, I totally agree. The Steelers finished the season on a three-game win streak. Mike Tomlin obviously sold his soul to the devil, and the devil, he delivered again for Mike Tomlin and got him in the playoffs because thank you to God bless Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars and Bailey's Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill for taking down bum-ass Trevor Lawrence, who, like I predicted at the beginning of the year, would not make the playoffs, and I was correct once again. Now, I will give you credit. You maintained the Bills were going to make it all year, and they did. But... I did say the Jacksonville Jaguars were not going he to, did. and I said they were going to lose that last game and miss the playoffs, and they did. And so um, because of that is why the Steelers got in here at the seventh seed. So who would have been, say, uh, say um, the Jags win? Jags who would have been who would, who it would have been, been the Texans as the seventh seed. The Jags would have been so the, the Bills four would have been seed. Playing the Texans. The Bills would have been playing the Texans. Yes. Oh shit. The Bills yeah. would have playing the Texans. They're happy to be playing the Steelers. Absolutely. I mean, the Texans are decimated with injuries too. But hey, I'm say I'll say this: they're happy to be playing the Steelers without T.J. Watt because hey, with T.J. Watt and that horrible weather, I wouldn't want to play the Steelers. No, Just I wouldn't either. A weird fucking team, and you're one play away from losing the game. You right. Know? So. That's, you know, that's what's funny about Buffalo is they are used to that weather, so it is somewhat of an advantage, but typically the way that team plays, and actually, you know, that's what they've been saying for years. If Josh Allen's going to be there 10 years, they need to build him a damn dome. A hundred percent. Because it's detrimental to the team. But I think that he really, although the weather's bad, I'm sure he'll make mistakes, he really does kind of thrive in that horrible situation weather because, you know, he played in Wyoming too, which is, you know, horrible weather all the time up there when you get into November and December. So right. he's definitely used to it. And, uh, you know, that's a big advantage. Who are the Steelers starting? Mason Rudolph? Yeah, Mason Rudolph. He, yeah. He's, won, he's won every game he started. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, I mean, I, I figured it had to be him. Yeah, like I said, the Steelers have been playing fine ball. But, yeah, I, it would have been a much more fun game if T.J. Watt was playing, I'd say. 100%. It, it's going to be an ugly game, like you said. I don't know that – like, I, I would have act, – I actually was going to jump on the Steelers at anything over a touchdown and bet them if, if T.J. Watt played. But with him out, I can't do it. Um, because I just could see the Bills, you know, getting up if early. If I were you, man, I don't know, 10 points in shitty weather against the Bills. The Bills just don't I, blow what anybody I may, out. What I might do, actually, is tease it and get it over 14. I just have a hard time believing it's going to get over that. I could see the Bills maybe winning by 10 or 14, but but more than 14 would be tough in that environment, the way the weather's going to be. Um, you know, there's snow flurries projected, too, in the game, which is going to be fun. We're going to see, hopefully, two snow games uh, on Sunday or Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, but that'll be good. Um, real quick, uh, before we wrap up this preview, uh, and we'll bring Big Dog in here real quick to give his quick takes. Um, let, well, we're going to obviously preview this next week if we get there, but if the Bills and the Chiefs both win, we'd get a rematch. Really, it'd be volume three of Mahomes versus Allen in the playoffs. The last time they met was that epic game in Arrowhead Stadium where the Chiefs you know, tied it in the final seconds when it looked over, and then the Chiefs get the ball first in overtime. It go, they don't go down, score a touchdown, win the game. It essentially prompts the NFL to change the the, the overtime rule in in the playoffs, where both teams get to possess the ball regardless of what happens, um, which is a good rule, by the way. Should be the whole season. That's the case. Regardless, um, this would be the first time the game would be in Buffalo, right? The last yep. two games have been in Arrowhead. Who would you pick? I know, I know. Uh, I know you're. I know you're going to pick the Chiefs, but I'll pick I, the Bills. I'm you're not necessarily. I actually not necessarily pick the Chiefs. I'll, I'll take. I'll take the Bills at home, just because they've been really close in Arrowhead. Like those games could have gone either way. And really, the big factor for me is Kelsey just being MIA. Yeah. I mean, he just is. And with that, without him, I really don't think that team could go on the road and win in Buffalo. I just it's a tough place to play, and I just don't think. Um, without him, they would win. No, it would be a good game. I don't think Buffalo would blow them out by any stretch, but I think they'd find a way to win that game. Here's my one my one thing, and I think Buffalo has an edge a little bit in that game. I think they'd probably be a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite. But At home, yeah. At home, yeah. But my thing about it is when you watch the Bills, <laughs> I've said this all year, obviously I think there's something wrong. I, not wrong, but I just don't think they're that great. But late in games, when they're up, they almost always go to this weird – defense where they there's just one of two things they either just drop everybody and they allow big chunk plays we saw them lose the game to the Eagles like that we saw them lose the game to the Broncos like that we saw them really do that against the Dolphins last game and two just throw a horrible pick it looked like the Dolphins had a chance to score there or they bring everybody in which case they leave guys on islands and they don't have the corners to cover like they have in past years so my only issue with it my only worry with Buffalo in that spot is that I think can't they'd pretty much have to beat Kansas City, be, you know, relatively thoroughly because if late in the game Kansas City has the ball with a chance to go win or tie the game, I just don't know how they don't score because McDermott just is horrible in those situations. So that would be my worry with Buffalo. It's like I just I wouldn't I would never feel comfortable with them watching a game until they've just up by two scores under under five minutes, and I don't know that they're good enough well, to mean, beat they, the Chiefs they, by two scores. They blew one of the Chiefs when there was thirteen seconds left. Was so. that game in Arrowhead or was that in? Yeah, that was in Arrowhead. In Arrowhead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the I, w- I would pick the, the the Bills in that game, but but barely, like by a field goal. Yeah. I, that's, um, I mean, that's what I would say too. Me decided by. I want to I want to talk two. on the coaching carousel, but we'll see if Big Dog wants to come in real quick because I know Bailey's got to go soon. So let's bring him in. Let's bring in Big Dog. All right. We'd like to welcome in Big Dog here. He's back. He's here for only a few minutes, but he's gracious with his presence. Uh, he's gonna make his intro as always um, with his karate chops oh. and his Elvis. Let's try not to. Oh, oh the belt oh, buckle. Boy. The belt buckle. The greatest let's sports. Go. Don't pull it back. Don't pull it back. Come on. Come the on. Gra- squeeze in there. The greatest sports mind. I gotta take in today. the world. Boy, do I have a All right, good take. All right, the floor is yours, big dog. Uh, go ahead and give All us right. your take. Number one, 
Number one, Jim Harbaugh's not going to the Chargers, I don't think. This is why. Wife, kids, Washington area, slash, or Chicago. Those are the picks. Washington? Listen to me. What pick do they have? What the fuck are you smoking? What do the pick does Washington have? I think they have the second pick. Second pick. You get uh, Squirrely, number 13 from USC to... uh, and then, and then you get you get him to the um, who's taking him? Who Caleb Williams? Yep. Caleb Williams is probably going to Bears. the Bears at one. The Bears. You're going to get Washington getting the best quarterback, which is the guy from LSU. I, actually, I think the and number. So Jim gets hold on, to they're build. They're projecting that Drake May is going to be picked second. No, he's not. That's a ba- that would that's who Jim would pick, and it's dumb. That's I, exactly I, who he'll pick. I do agree he with you. He goes to Chicago. He gets to pick who he wants or yeah. Washington. I mean, uh, either one, Chicago or Washington. He's by his brother. I didn't know his family lives on the East Coast up there in the thing, so he wants to be next to his dad and mom that are old. Being in Hollywood's just too far away. Chargers are a bad organization. That's Big Dog's first take. And I'll be right. Wrong. Is he wrong? He's going to the Chargers. You think so? I think he wants I thought to, I so, too, until Herber- today. I think he wants Herbert. Yeah, and you I mean, know, how could you yeah, leave there's Herbert? these crazy things called airplanes that'll get you across the country in five <laughs> hours. So they're not taking horse and buggy anymore. It's not the fucking Oregon Trail. All right, so You've never taken a private airplane. So, yeah, oh my have, god, oh, yes, please! Oh, you out of your mind? I have a pilot that used to work with me. Oh uh, yeah, so fly him around anywhere. So he's a Learjet. So the bottom line is that number one, number two, I have a take this year that I was so on about everything. I was amazing this year. I mean, quarterback picks, picks for the team. I was on fucking fire. Every week he says this. I swear to you. never right. And it wasn't for, seriously, if the running back from Washington doesn't get completely, he can't even run. That guy should never have been out there. I would have been right because let me tell you something. The quarterback, like I told Dylan yesterday's take before the show, for for the damn Michigan Wolverines is horrendous. That guy is so bad. What do you have? Fifty yards passing at halftime. No, at halftime he had fifty yards. It was ridiculous. And well, the, real quick, Turner. And if played, it wasn't, hold another on, thing hold on, is no, no, no. Who played a better game yesterday, Penix or McCarthy? I mean, I guess McCarthy. Thank you. Yeah, but that's. I mean, he just handed the ball off. Yeah, right. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah, that's all you had to do. But that's and all he had sec- to do. That's and smart. the second thing is how biased and how ridiculous the media is. They all cover Harbaugh, which is stupid. There's more to that story in the Michigan win. The story is number seven, Edwards. Donovan That's Edwards. the story. That is the story of this game. If you take those kids two runs out of this game, you got a whole different ball game. To let a kid run 100 yards on two carries with two touchdowns, that's the game. I think you, you, can, you, can, you can say anything you want about, about Michael, about the quarterback from Washington. You can say anything you want about him. It is down to that number seven running the ball. Well, I think you could have run both those for touchdowns. Fuck, you yeah, could have drove me? a fucking semi-truck through twist. those holes, man. So, we got to go out and kick some field goals with him this week, by the way. So, basically, I could kick a 30-goal field with my left yards. foot. With my left foot. Oh, left foot. Hey, real quick, number one, I could kick it backwards with my boots, my cowboy boots. We'll have real to get quick, that on camera. Number so I'm gonna say I'm gonna end this with this year. I was right about seventy nine point seven seven percent on everything, and I was a hundred percent right on quarterbacks and picking. And next year I'm going to pick preseason quarterbacks on the show. He'll let y'all know. And I'm gonna pick them. Good. We'll have actual recordings too, of it. And we're gonna pick yours too. And I'm gonna wipe your ass on picks. Do you have any statement about Black, Black Tom Brady and I the think? Eagles? And oh, he'll be fine. Them. He's fine. He always survives. Me and Dylan both picked BTB the Bucks. BTB is me, me fine. Me and Dylan both picked the Bucks no, this week. Any Eagles, Eagles are going to Turner kill. admitted Jalen Hurts is not good on the show, he's, by the he, way. Le, by the way, 
Let me tell you something right now. Don't ever go against my word. So the bottom line is this. Uh, BTB is going to kick some ass, and Eagles are going to absolutely kill Baker Mayfield. That's going to that, – they're back in the playoffs. Just watch. All right. So, so are they going to win a game after and Baker? Is, and I wanna, I'm ending with my take. Yeah, I don't know. I don't got to see if they're going to play. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. This is the take. I said this on week seven, and I said it, and this is what I'm going to go on the record on today. After he was throwing picks and looked like crap, I said on the Green Bay loss, I think it was to the Vikings or one of the teams they, they lost to, that this kid, oh, no, he looks good. He's t- sitting tall in the pocket. He's throwing the ball. He's, oh, he's so bad. Dylan's like, he's so bad. I go, no, he's not. Then six weeks ago, I said, that dude's throwing the ball good. He is actually an NFL quarterback. He's good. And this was when they lost. Six That's weeks the ago, they were winning. It doesn't matter. I, when they weren't winning is when I said it. Then I no, said, then we went on record at the house saying. Once they yeah, were winning. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They weren't winning that much. They win like two games in a row at that point. This is my point. That, that I picked him, and I knew it, because why? Tall, sees the field, and can throw the ball quickly and release it quickly. And he what? Anticipation thrower. Thank you. No, he's not. Yeah, so yes, that, he you're is. talking about Jordan Love or who? Yeah, he Jordan never, Love. Even, he never even said his Jordan name. Jordan Love, the Packers QB. Boy. Jordan Love. So that's another one I nailed. The 14th quarterback who's his boy. Half of them are out of the league. Half so of them are not starters anymore. this year proves that I need my own show <laughs> called The Big Dog Show. And that's where people come in with the deeds to their houses. They put them on the table, and I tell them what bets to do. Oh, God. That would be the biggest shit show ever. But we should have people call in to have Big Dog's life advice. That's the only thing I agree that we should would, do. That would be funny. I also think maybe I the, turn, greatest, I change lives. the greatest show in television history, we could do Big Dog versus Mad Dog, and that would be yes. just abs- two absolute lunatics talking. <laughs> yes. On air with big big brains and life knowledge going yeah. at it head to head. That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, you, you and Mad Dog Russo are the only two crazy enough to say that their ninety year old mothers need to quit making the fucking veal parmesan. Yeah, because I wouldn't sucks. even pick my They're ninety. Year old, I mother. wouldn't pick my ninety yeah. year old mother up for Christmas. Yeah. I'd have somebody pick her up. And ever, that, I'd no. take her to whatever church or whatever. I would never go with her. Well, ever and since I'd bring her back to the house and I'd say, how was church? Why would you go pick her up in there during football? That's where we differ. Yeah, Mad Dog I would actually, not Mad go Dog pick actually her up. went to church. Yeah, I wouldn't pick her up. And I would have somebody pick her up and deal with her. If I, if I have that money, I would have a car driver pick her up, take her to church, bring her by the house, then take her home pretty soon. All yeah, right? you probably wouldn't. Well, y- your mom, you may have taken your mom to church if you want to. Shafted you that Sears catalog back yep. in seventy. Yep. Ten, ten years old. Stop yep. giving me exactly what I want. No, maybe eleven. You said eleven last. Eleven. Yeah. It was eleven. Real quick, I want to mention one thing because we talked about this last night. It's a good take. Okay, uh, we watched after the national championship last night. I'm. It's so disappointing. I remember back in two thousand and six watching the Longhorns win. How good the post game yep. coverage was. And so, you know, we used to get to watch the whole interviews of Mac Brown and Pete Carroll, yep. and you had Vince Young come Agreed. on the stand, and you got to see all the players and get the actual perspectives. And now, and I, this is nothing against SVP. I like SVP. The post-game show is horrific. horrific. It's literally all a remote thing. It's, it's he has he's interviewing fucking Reese Davis at the end. Who cares? Reese Davis isn't even a football guy. He's sitting there just calling the game. We have to listen to Reese Davis answer. That's because like, he doesn't have anybody. Just tell us Tim Hasselback on there drawing up plays, and then you have these stupid remote interviews where he's interviewing Jim Harbaugh last night, and it's a three-second delay in audio, and they're interrupting each other every five seconds. It's so bad. Have somebody on the ground interviewing him. Have have how about we go and show the press conferences again. It's the worst post-game show. 
you know, it used to be so much fun oh to watch gosh, an hour of takes. an hour of post game after after the national SEC championship. SEC Network did that on Nick. They're the on only one who does it. SEC yeah, Network, but SEC Network did it. But here's the thing: is it ESPN's pathetic because they look at the ratings? You could just have a peeled off version, an ESPN Plus or one of them, or some channel that you designate for post game. Everybody wants to know the post game. So the Spurs used to do – everyone used to do it. Even TNT used to do longer post games. Uh, when the finals, they used to have long post games after. It's a joke. They don't want to allocate the TV. It's all about the dollars. They don't want to lose the money. So in their markets, they're not doing it because they're saying, oh, well, limited people watch it. Fan base watches. It creates it. ESPN's pathetic now. They're just a joke. They really are a joke. They're so tight. They're bringing in people. That's all Scott Van Pelt. What the hell is he doing doing post game? First off, to go to the podium, have him be interviewed, and you can cut all that stuff up. So it's dumb. They mad should have dog, a network. Mad dog versus big dog to bring it back. Yeah. Put them back on the map. You want to see post game. You want to see uh, – I want to see Steve say why he threw the ball 17 times in the Texas beginning yep. of that game and why Michigan runs the ball and scores two touchdowns. It, it's unreal. And he well, throws the ball. Well, and that's it, the difference in the coaching for sure because I said Sarkeesian's just too proud of himself. He couldn't just run the ball the whole no, game. And if Texas would have just ran the ball the whole game, probably would have won the game. They would have won the game. They would have killed him. They would have killed him. Yeah, but they would have had a much better chance of beating Michigan last night too. Unreal. He's the un, it, totally ego-based. He is ego-based. That's why I don't like that coach. I don't think he's right. Yeah, but he's not And last anyway. thing is this. Before I get off the air, I'll predict Texas might not even make – they'll make the tournament maybe, the basketball team, but that coach is a joke. Oh, he's a bum. The joke for Texas coach, for Texas Longhorns basketball, joke. Get rid of him. Real quick, we're, we're close. Hold on. Eat your we're money, boosters, get out of it. Just stay here because we're going to close it out. But I want to say the last thing, last thing. We've seen uh, Kirk Herbstreit bring his golden retriever on, and they've each it. become the dog, the dog Man. of the country. I think it's only fitting that we bring the best dog in our household, Westbrook, Westbrook, not Jude, Westbrook onto the show. She's, she should be our game day dog. She should be here during the show, sitting over here by us. Westbrook, I think Westbrook and Brooklyn. Westbrook and Brooklyn. Brooklyn's our little chihuahua. Westbrook is named after Russell Westbrook. She's our 10-year-old gold retriever. Worst player to ever play in the she NBA. Does, worst. She great does. Great dog, bad player. Great dog. She does fart quite a bit in the game room when we're playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, she lets them go. Number but one, the best dog at the house is Jude. She can fit that golden retriever. We've got three. Golden retriever can actually fix a car. She can get up. <laughs> She can do anything. That golden retriever's got an IQ of 132. The dog is special. It's higher okay? than and Donald Trump. Special, Trump's and IQ. I don't mean in a good way. All right. Real quick, we're we're gonna close this out. Wow, Ricochet shot at Donald to close the podcast yeah, out. Huh? Cool. We're gonna close it out. <laughs> quick shout out to my boy Michael Freitas, big Michigan Wolverines fan. Congrats on the win last night. You guys yeah, are the national I'm champions. I'm glad they won. Glad for the Michigan fans who have been through a lot. And Miami of lost, right? Because he's a Dolphins fan too. Miami lost. Yes. Yeah, good. I told him. I said he could have Michigan, but he can't have the Dolphins. You did, you did say that. He texted yeah, me and said yeah, he, he was laughing at that take. He said, <laughs> he Tua's said, gonna poop his pants in the her. playoffs out there in, in Kansas City. Did you send me the thing? the two a picture of him shitting his pants i'm closing right. it out hold on sit down I, for a second I gotta go. we're done i'm let me finish closing it out so you don't walk out in the middle of the show guys got fucking money to buy I got things to do please like and subscribe to the podcast we're going to be doing some more jersey giveaways soon so make sure you subscribe like us listen to us on any of your favorite platforms amazon music apple Podcasts, spotify anything out there all the support and comments and likes matter thanks for tuning in to our 15th episode we might it might be next week. We might have a special guest coming in next week. We're going to start bringing some guests on the show. So make sure you tune in and, and uh, keep notifications on for all of our content throughout the, the week. camera for the couch. Well, right. we'll see. We'll see no, what we do. You can put them in the middle. You can put them in the middle. All right. All right. Thanks, and, uh, thanks for tuning in.